Viewer discretion is advised. We do talk about contractually obligated fingering. You're listening to They Came From The Silver Screen. Welcome, listeners. You're listening to They Came From The Silver Screen, a podcast where each episode we deconstruct societal issues in films and their relationships with the world. I'm Josh Tregenza, and with me, as always, is Damien Danaher. Damien, how are we? I'm not too bad at all, mate. How are we going? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Getting back in the chair. Speaking to the old silver box. You're speaking to a silver box? Well, laptop and microphone. They're both silver. Yeah, it was really... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm a little rusty, as you can tell. <clears throat> really? Yeah. There's yeah. like ointments. There's ointments for that. There's an oil can. Yeah. But that's not the... F- We're not talking about uh, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, we could. It may I'm be a sure, little I'm, more I'm, uh, palatable. Look, I'm, well, I'm just saying, I'm sure there's parallels that we can draw between that and the, our actual film of discussion. I mean, up top, I talked about uh, uh, sexual acts, and I don't think there was any in Wizard of Oz. None that well, I could see. Well, you just got to... You got to look for it. It's in the subtext. Ah, the yellow brick road meant something else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the old yellow brick road. Yeah, the, you know, peeling back the curtains, you know, the man behind the curtain. Exactly. It's something I'm, completely different. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm melting. Well, there you go, yeah. She, you yeah. know, get her wet and she melts, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. There you are. There we go. We've done Alrighty. it. We've done it. We've made Wizard of Oz filthy. I mean, filthier than that remake? Nothing's filthier than that remake. True that. True that. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And we are off. Off. To a running start. Just hit the ground running. It's good to be back. This week we are talking about A Cure for Wellness, which is Gore Verbinski's film starring Dane DeHaan, Jason Isaacs, and Mia Goth. And we, we had some feelings about it. I mean, this is one of the one of the rare films that we actually watched together. Yeah. Yeah, we actually... Uh, so Damien was uh, up in Brisbane, and uh, and we actually uh, sat down in the old... I think it was Dendi. Yeah, Car- the old Dendi Cinematheque. Yeah, and we, and, and we got to watch it together. You know... Uh, well, pretty much empty cinema. In, entirely empty cinema. It was just us, which meant that we were allowed to be as loud and as raucous as humanly possible and fully react to the crazy shit that we were seeing on the screen. Well, yeah, because A Cure for Wellness is a very uh, visceral film. It has so, a lot of Lovecraftian um, visuals that go on and and nothing is left on the cutting room floor apparently because it is it's it's all out there for the boys to uh, recoil and recoil we did yeah but you know it you know it was completely empty and it seemed like it was just empty on across the board this was not a very uh widely received film or seen no. film i, I think, don't uh, think it I made do believe money it, it, yeah, I think it, made, it barely made back half. I think it made $26 million on a $40 million budget. Which is, ouch. 
because yeah and, and, this is, and this is and this is coming off of uh lone ranger yeah you know this is which, yeah. uh, <clears throat> which uh, is certainly up there with uh one of the greatest box office bombs of all time hmm. like a 260 million dollar budget Ooh. or something like that yeah uh, you know and it grossed like less than that and they also spent like another 150 dollars million in in marketing so it didn't even vaguely make money back it was very embarrassing yeah like across the board and so yeah i mean this is sort of uh i mean the diff i mean like it's an interesting uh concept because i think lone ranger just because of the property it was i think people sort of pre-judged it mm. before it even came out just because it you know had been in development for years and years and years and years and ungone like so many different rewrites and budget cuts and you know other things like that and then there was the <clears throat> there was the controversy of having Johnny Depp playing Tonto because I don't know what he's got like one sixteenth Native American or something like that which he may have made up we, which he we may, may never know up. we never, never may never know but you know that allows him to play the part you know and and be truthful to it or anything like that so I mean as I don't know, I don't know how you thought, thought about felt about it, but I actually it wasn't that bad. It was it was utterly forgettable. Yeah, I mean, I it mean, was a bit it was a bit of a mess, and there was you know some big bombastic action sequences and things like that, but yeah, it didn't it it was it was hollow. I thought. Hmm. It yeah, it wasn't was really yeah anything. Cowboy films don't work. They haven't worked. Well, they haven't worked for a while now. Like they've got to be really like meaning something. Like True Grit. Yeah. Um, I mean, both True Grits were very standout sort of things. Um, was it the Majestic yeah. Six um, or Seven? I can't remember how many of them. Uh, Mag- Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, was just I think once again forgettable, but it wasn't like a altogether bad film but it wasn't meant to be cowboys it was meant to be just showcasing like actors that's what it was always about yeah it might as well have been i mean they, i mean the, the remake was directed by antoine fuqua who um <clears throat> you know it might as well have just been like you know tears of the sun but cowboys mm. yeah you know, and right? in the same way the lone ranger was kind of just pirates of the caribbean but in a desert yeah which I mean, I mean, the, it, the pirates movie sort of had the benefit of having a genuinely likable um, couple of lead characters hmm. and a cast of really interesting sort of uh, smaller bit players, and you know they could develop those characters and we get to know them over the course of three, admittedly, you know, increasingly bloated movies. But by the end, you sort of, you know the players. And so when the big scenes are happening, the big action scenes are happening at the end, you kind of, you do have a sense of at least mild attachment to what happens mm. to them. Despite the fact that you know that, like, you know, <clears throat> every time someone dies in that series, they get brought back to life. So there's no stakes, really. Yeah, I mean, the first film was all about the fact of dead people being alive. Yeah. 
So, but and then Lone Ranger had the you know the misgivings of having Army Hammer, which um, I am hearing actually really good things about him in uh, Firefight. Oh, Free Fire, yeah, yeah, Free Fire. Sorry, yeah, um, him it, like film. having that uh, that the comedic chops in that, and I think Army Hammer has has he's got the looks of a pretty boy. But um, in a similar way to Chris Pine, he fits better in a comedic role. Yeah. So well, he's like, kind of put think, out as a leading man. It doesn't really work. Yeah. I think, like, he's proven that, like, you know, when he gets to be a character actor, mm. you know, in, in small, smaller, more interesting roles, you know, he, he does far, far better. <clears throat> I mean, if I, I find it sort of um, interesting if you think about Chris Pine. And think about like you know uh, uh, westerns as a genre. Probably one of the best westerns we've seen in recent years was uh, *Hell or High Water*. Oh, absolutely! For which we did talk about at length. You can indeed view and us was... and listen to us talk about that uh, in our archives. Please go, viewers. Indeed, listen. listen. Yeah, after this though, mm. or you can try and listen to both at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, get two headphones, play one in one ear, one in the other. They sync up at some point in time, yeah, uh, but only you, when you play Dark Side of the Moon The Moon backwards. Ah, uh, yeah. you beat me to it. Once. once again, Wizard <laughs> of Oz. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Getting them deep cuts in there, deep yeah. cuts. But yeah, if so... You, yeah. so if you think about it, the, the, like the, one, like the one director that's making consistently good westerns is actually James Mangold because he had um, the uh, 310 to Yuma remake... Mm-hmm. With, uh, with Christian fantastic. Bale, yep, and then uh, he's just uh, come off of uh, Logan, which is Logan, basically yeah. a remake of Shane, but with Wolverine. <laughs> Actually, I have yet to see. I've yet to see Logan yet. I need to it get is, around it, to that. <clears throat> it is a, it is a cracker of a film, and it is. Mm basically an old western it reminded me a lot of unforgiven actually just the oh, really the old, the old the old sort of killer trying to lead a quiet life and being drawn back in for one last fight you know that he probably isn't up to anyway mm. but you know because he's got that sense of righteousness about him he has to do it etc etc so it's no it's it's really good but i mean i think i think it's safe to say that uh uh, Verbinski's efforts weren't quite as lauded. No, and so, and then they kind of, yeah. I guess, they unleashed him to have a bit of a play around yeah. in Cure for Wellness. Uh, well, whether that's kind of a timeout or just like just take a breather, mate, or if he's asking for it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a far it's a far smaller budget. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, so forty. <clears throat> yeah, because I mean, like he uh, he's only done. I mean, since. Uh, at World's End, which was uh, 2007, I don't uh, think he actually made another movie for um, four or five years. I think I think he spent all of that time uh, making Rango. Yeah, yeah. World's End, Rango, Lone Ranger, Cure for Wellness. Exactly. Yeah. That's how it kind of flowed. Yeah. So I mean. He sort of took the time out to try and do something a little bit different, and then they were like, "All right, come back, you know, try again, make another big budget film." And then he did Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. and now it's like he's been busted back down again. So he has to. I mean, it's 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 he's going back to his genre roots essentially because I mean his first uh, 
majorly successful film was The Ring. Mm. So he's going back to that. He's going. I think he's going back to his roots. Yeah, so well, whereas that was that kind of far more horror. This is more gory thriller. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 certainly. I mean, like, uh, I mean, gore is a relative term, I guess. I mean, mm. you can look at other, you know, movies that are like just viscera from you know, hanging from the ceiling, just blood and guts everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I, and, I, and I wouldn't call that horror. I mean, like, there's that sort of displacement of uh, expectation now with uh, directors and producers and people in general. I think that uh, there's no longer any uh, dividing line between scaring someone and disgusting them. Mm. And I think this, you know, whereas, you know, Eli Roth did, used, um, you know, blood and gore. Um, as a as a way to disgust people, uh, mm-hmm. Verbinski uh, has very little blood in this. Yeah, unless it's a pivotal moment, which we'll we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it's the that you know the, the a sliminess that the mm-hmm. the use of of water as a as a as a tool of the unknown, and I mean really the the eels that permeate this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's far more sort of insidious and mm. it sort of it plays it plays more on primal you know fears and, and things like that you know on a, on a on a psychological level things that like you just you feel your skin crawling you start contorting yourself into uh <laughs> squirming and everything like that i mean like i think like uh, i don't know of anyone that doesn't just get put on edge when bad things happen to teeth in film. Mm. Yeah, well, it's because it, that's one of the, like, the most common uh, dreams or nightmares that we have of, of mm. teeth falling out, and it, that really unsettles us. Yeah. It's why we have this, this and we have this general like, societal fear of dentists. Exactly. Shout, just, out, shout, shout out to dentists. Just yeah. taking it for the team. You're just doing the job that no one else wants to. Just, just getting it done. It's a cramped office, and it's you're just drilling office, people's teeth. Drilling people's teeth, you know. Maybe you're doing it from time to time, but that doesn't have to be. It's not a big part about it. It's not a part of it. It is a part of it, but it's not the whole part. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so shout out to those dentists. Um, yeah, but. It, it's, you know, and Pirates did have a bit of that um, with the whole Davy Jones and all of that. Um, was it, was his name Davy Jones? Uh, yeah, Davy. character? Yeah, Davy Jones. Yeah, he did have that, but it was all the barnacle stuff, which kind of just took the edge off the, the sliminess and that sort of, that uncomfortable um, setting of things. Mm-hmm. And that, but it, it really does come into play in this Um I mean, if you've seen, if you've at very least seen the trailers for A Cure for Wellness, um, there is the uh, there is the scene where uh, Mia Goth's Hannah is uh, is lying in a bathtub and it's full of eels. It's instead of water, it's just eels, and it's. I mean, yeah, it gets a rise out of you, and I mean, it's not like to say that, like you know, that scares you or anything like that but but your discomfort it's such discomfort it's not even disgust per se but just like there's there's just 
and understand that what you're seeing is just like fundamentally wrong on some level. Mm. And it, that just... and that happens throughout this film, and I think it does it it does it very well for the most part. Mm. Uh, so uh, Dana Hans' character, um, there's you know some corporate stuff. You know the CEO has gone crazy, and he's gone off to this tr- retreat, um, a wellness retreat where people find happiness, a a cure for what ails them in a high-stress corporate world. Uh, Dehane gets caught out for uh, embezzling or cooking the books in some way. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter, yeah. It's just a reason. It's a reason for him to go off, and no one's really going to give a shit, but apparently there's there's a high stakes to this that without the Pembroke, the CEO's uh, signature, they can't make a big sale, which will save the company. So, yeah, a merger or whatever. I mean, it's something like that. You um, might as well just say inciting incident and be done with it. Yeah, reason to go to uh, Europe. Yeah, to go to the... I think I think it's I think it's meant to be Switzerland. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. And and so he goes off. It's a small town, ta- you know, small town that has this wellness facility um, up the top of it, and when he arrives it's very it 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 reminds me of like if the shining had people in it like if it was during the summertime mm. of the shining um the 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 mansion is very similar to it uh to the one in the shining and and just yeah and just even people the, the, about and yeah and just even the journey to get there mm. is the very winding much, roads. it's very much like those wind you know the winding roads for the pine forest yeah absolutely the, the, the it's shining you know it's very there's, much there's, the there's cinematography the train, of it. Yeah, the train mm. and then the car and all the gates and everything like that. It just leads itself, like, builds and builds. Like, you know, we are going off the reservation here. Mm. So, yeah, I guess in the same way where, uh, where you know, The Ring was the remake <coughs> of the Japanese version of Ringu, um, yeah, Cure for Wellness does have a lot of sort of a remake for The Shining in a way. Well, at least the setup for it. Yeah. Um, from there, it's... Um, yeah, another inciting incident happens, which uh, Dehane's character um, breaks his leg in in quotes. Yes, and he becomes an inadvertent patient of the the facility, which is run by uh, Jason Isaacs. So surprise, surprise, he's the villain. Yep, or the captain for the Star Trek uh, TV series. Also that. So you know that's mixing it up a bit. He'll finally be a not villain. Mm. Has he played a role that he's not a villain or like not where he's a good guy? Um. Uh, yeah, that he had a, like a small part in um, Fury. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, he, that that's in the same way that um, that Jason Ma- uh, James Marsden um, he never plays the guy who wins. He just doesn't. Yeah. So he either loses or doesn't lose. Or win. It's in its nebulous point. Yeah. So Jason Isaac's in a film, and he's the he's the and the Swiss. Um, well, he's got the Swiss accent, I assume, or yeah. Austrian. I mean, it's it's or some kind European. of pan European. Yeah. I mean, look, you don't you don't. I mean, this is a genre picture, and you don't cast Jason Isaacs to, you know, be a a delicate and measured performer you pay him to ham it the hell up and chew the fucking scenery and, and, and just chew the scenery to death i mean like 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a, the question of um, the the plot is really like, uh, were you, were you surprised by any of the the twists and turns? Really, because I mean, uh, in terms of uh, narrative, it's pretty basic mm. in the sense that he's there, he's trapped, he can't leave. It seems idyllic, but it's not. It's like every community in The Walking Dead. It seems lovely, but it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the standard, like, utopian sort of future sort yeah. of thing. Where it's, it's, also, it's actually yeah. a dystopia. Yeah, we... Contrary. But, I mean, and so, like, at the, at the same time that uh, Dahan's trying to find uh, Pembroke so he can take him back to the US and civilization at large, he's also sort of half involved in this little... Uh, mystery of uh, what the mansion used to be mm. uh, 200 years ago when it was uh, run by this uh, crazy baron that wanted to have a pure bloodline so married his sister she was barren so he experimented on the townsfolk to uh, cure her infertility and apparently he succeeded but then the townspeople found out and uh, burned the castle to the ground and uh, cut the baby out of his sister and uh, threw it into the aquifer, which is uh, sort of like the the linchpin of the story is, is this aquifer, this uh, amazing uh, supply of water that's the best and purest in the world and has It'll cleanse many, you. many life-giving properties. And one of the film's biggest strengths, I mean, like, is, is apart from, like, it's fantastic uh, cinematography which uh, is uh, you know something else entirely just you know the uh, the shot selection like the use of reflection and everything like that by uh, Bohan Bazelli who I believe uh, is a Verbinski regular and worked with him on uh, Lone Ranger as well I mean, we got we got to give props just to the, the I mean, the use of water as Absolutely. like you know, and making water like a sinister sound, but also just the, the foley work, like the yeah, the it's the, the emptiness sound. of the water. Yeah, and just the depth, like even at the beginning when that that fellow Miller uh, is about oh to right have at his, the start, yeah, yeah, about to have his heart attack, and he's just he goes and has a little cup of. Uh, plastic cup of water from uh, one of those dispensers and there's no sound except just the, him swallowing the water and it just echoes and thunders and then you know as he falls down like just the minute scufflings of his shoe on the ground and like him crushing this plastic cup in his death grip it's all just like it's so heightened Mm. And it, it that's a hell of a way to start the to start it with with using those uh, those themes of you know water and and, and uh, the stress of of the corporate world to just kind of sum it up very very quickly at the start of uh, the film and it's basically it's purely a thematic scene because yeah. it means very little to the plot at large. Yeah, I mean, if 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 anything, what it means is it's sort of it, it at least sort of. Uh, um, how, how, how do I put this? It kind of validates the pretext that uh, these corporate types would, you know, run away and fall in love with this place. Mm. 
because you're like, oh, look, we, we've seen a guy literally work himself to death. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to take a break and go and live in the mountains? Yeah, and many of the occupants, you know, that they do that they do show uh, to interact with, um, yeah, they, they were in high stress uh, situ- business situations, millions of dollars being thrown around, and they just they just came here and lived there because it's so much better. They don't have to think about it. Um, or at least they state that it's kind of a form of Stockholm syndrome that they are well f- that is forced upon them due to uh, the water, mm. basically. Um, but I suppose, um, yeah, I think uh, I think I got off track there for a second. But the question I, I think I, I was asking is like uh, because like is it is, does it take away that we kind of know that Isaacs is the Baron? like pretty pretty early on i mean like there's no there's no other reason for dahan to be learning all this history about the place unless it's actually going to come into some serious play later on in the film yeah it's very ham-fisted sort of exposition for the point of you know further down the track you'll find out for the case you know this is setting up um setting up the story without really I don't know, having the actual character find it organically, it's more just, there, there you go. And re- remember this, audience, remember this, okay? Mm. Because this is going to... Oh, that guy that, you know, got Frankensteined, you know, by the villagers? Yeah, that's... Remember that. It'll come oh, into play later. There's a faceless man in a picture. Oh, I wonder what's going on there. And then, oh, they're talking about... You know, the restorative properties of this water. Oh, that's an interesting thought. And so, you know, kind of, uh, what is it? Uh, Celia Ermi's uh, character is basically the exposition machine. Yeah, she's, 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 she's Basil Exposition. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. So she's, you know, telling, you know, she's trying to find out more and more and more about this. And she's the, I don't know, she's the puzzle expert. And she finds this place to be a large puzzle mm. that Dehan's character, um, kind of follows with and there's no reason for why she would be like investigating all this stuff except for the fact that we need someone to yeah you know the 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 conceit of of this place is that there's you know it's basic brainwashing yeah um going on um from this water to the occupants so they can do what they want so to have a, a character that is kind of you know putting their nose where it shouldn't belong um, is kind of out of place uh, thematically, but it ties the story together. I mean, mm. not that we... I don't think we'd really give a fuck otherwise. Yeah, it could be, so. you know, that it's... I, I quite like the, you know, films that feel like um, this is just a snapshot in time and maybe of that protagonist, um, of Dahan's character... And there's something else going on. He's just kind of fallen in the middle of it. Um, whereas this kind of, I don't know, having those that sort of exposition does kind of give Dahan's character a more thematic reasons to, to be there. Um, as opposed to just like, oh, yeah, you're just here and you fuck shit up. And, oh, look, there's also a cult involved in this. Whereas you could have just put that on us and I think the audience would have been cool with it. We didn't need a reason for it. Yeah. This is all... It's, we're supposed to be unsettled by this. We don't necessarily need reasons Yeah, or like for things. Like, like, to be explained in such minute detail, because mm. 
I mean, the, 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 the strength of movies like this is that our imaginations are always going to run wild <clears throat> and what we think the answer might be is usually actually way worse than what the uh, answer ends up being. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll jump ahead. So, so Mia Goss' character, uh, Hannah, um, she is kept in a she is in a, a a childlike state she's stated to be uh you know a little over 12 uh 11 12 or at least her she is mentally kept in that sort of age and uh, a pivotal point in the um in the film is uh her achieving womanhood uh through that of starting her uh, her her menstrual cycle and she's in the pool for it and we're and and we do get to see um, uh, the blood and water. I mean, there's no real way to 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 delicately put this. And there are eels in the pool, and the eels are swimming around. And I was genuinely like, it was the most uneasy I have felt watching uh, watching something in a film, just by thinking of like, oh god, what if a eel goes to where the blood is coming from it's like holy yeah. fuck this is this is intense and that's and it never happened but um the pure but it um, didn't need to it didn't need to because my mind was taking me there anyway and that is the most unsettling thing for me to have to think about um particularly when you know we've seen uh, i believe just previous i believe just previously um a character uh, I think to Han, you know, Hang's character in, forcibly ingesting eels, so it's already set up this uh, this thing of mm. eels going into people. And he's also oh, he's also killed that caretaker uh, character uh, just prior as well. Yeah, and, and the, the eels are devoured. Water it. and they eat, and the eels have just gone ham, just for human flesh, not even like just blood in the water. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a brilliant sort of bit of uh, bait and switch there. Mm, yeah, yeah, happening, at, and it's it is impressive to see on film. Mm. I mean, this is a you know Verbinski, even when you know doing the ring, like he's been pretty civil, and this is this is balls to the wall insanity yeah. that he's putting I up mean, on screen. I mean, he comes from a music video background you know for the glitz and like you know making things look good so i mean like you know if there's one thing you can say about any of his movies even the bad ones is that they always looked phenomenal the the design and the way it was shot was always spectacular even in the pirates movies those movies looked brilliant mm. oh yeah and lone, and lone ranger for all of its all of its many 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 problems it was consistently beautiful and same as with this one and that's the kind of um part of what makes it so unsettling is that it's it's the film where that's showing us like some really really unsettling things but but they it's like there's the they're kind of beautiful in a way the way they're shot the way they're framed Oh yeah, you know, the corpse is. is just hanging in the water, like you know, the 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 like uh, Hannah hanging in the water, like a marionette, like a ballerina on a on a music box, mm. like something so macabre but so uh, pretty at the same time. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, the setting in the Alps and all that, it is very idyllic. So, you know, you're cutting back to these, you know, these beautiful vistas as well. And then you've got the, yeah, the greenish hues of the aquifer uh, where the eels are, are swimming around in. And, and it, it is gorgeous. Mm. Through, through though macabre and, and disturbing as it is, it, it is gorgeous. And I mean, like purely, purely on that basis, I think like the, the the movie is a success because I mean, you know, there's there's other mo- that you know other movies I've seen where I can't remember a, a damn thing that happened, you know, twenty four hours after I've seen it, and we and we watched this uh, a good uh, three weeks ago, mm. and it's still it's still sticking with me, and uh, as as it as it is, I'm sure with you, yeah. And it, and not just the the very, um, the very visceral parts of it, but just the the smaller moments of it too. Mm. Um, I think one of the, I mean, when Dahan's character walks into the sauna area, and he walks in, he's looking for Pembroke, and he, he he goes in to this room. He looks around, one wall, two wall, three wall, and then a fourth wall, and a four wall thing, and there's no door anymore, and that. That was that was that stayed with me because it's just like that's that played on my mind as well, mm. and I'm and it it fully immersed me in like oh shit what's going on here? Um, there is something far more uh, sinister going on than anything about you know a hundred year old Baron. I couldn't and care and less. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's it's that really good use of like as you were saying like back at the start these more occult kind of supernatural lovecraftian sort of elements you know the the, the fear of the unknown the fear of uh, something that exists beyond our plane of reality i guess mm. so it's as much as Vabinsky, like Vabinsky did very well in in bringing in all this occultist stuff but then he kind of let loose um with all of this stuff and he Oftentimes he's using uh, sex as well mm. because he can. He's out from, you know, Disney. And so when DeHaan's character is in a isolation tank and he's being um, assaulted by eels um, and ends up uh, drowning. Yeah, I guess drowning. Um, there's also the reason why he's left alone is because um, of sexual congress between uh, two attendants. Yes. Uh, late at night. Um, and so there's that back and forth between that. Um, and then, you know, the in the, the climax of the film, um, there... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Jason Isaac... Uh, fingers uh mere goth's character um there's no pleasant way to say any of this it's yeah. very Not, and, and this wasn't this wasn't in a lineup or anything by the way no no this happens that's the girl officer yeah <laughs> <laughs> no he 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 sexually assaults her um very much against her will um it is very recently found out that uh they are they are family uh, father, Jason Isaacs father, is father the daughter. yeah father and daughter, and he is trying to keep the bloodline pure. He, um, he fingers Mia Goth, uh, Mia Goth, and then he takes 
then he tastes his fingers. Um, that's unsettling to watch in just full. A, just, <laughs> just a tiny bit, yeah. Just a t- that's that's fucking insanity. And when you're seeing like, oh yeah, Mia Goth was just, you know, she was in Nymphomaniac Part Two. I'm like, no, give me Nymphomaniac again. Yeah, I don't want to see this. So it's, it is a, it is a, it is a good, it is an interesting bit of casting that they uh, they took. You know, they could have had someone. They could have had a 13-year-old girl, you know, or like something, something like a teenager sort of play that part. But mm. by sort of by casting a, a girl who is 20, 23, a full decade older at least than uh, the character that she's actually playing, she can give this sort of really haunted kind of uh, quality to it. And it sort of it, it, it adds into the idea that she's been what she's been a, a prepubescent teen for 200 years yeah and only finally so that, is she yeah. growing because she's um she's not taking her medicine the 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 blue vial is the um, restorative properties of that keep people alive yeah um for hundreds of years um and, and she's stopped yeah. top taking it so she's been able to the flow of time uh no pun intended uh begins again and and so she's now starting to become a woman, but she has been stuck in this, in a childlike state. Um, you know, her, her womanhood has been suppressed for this amount of time. Uh, and, and Jason Isaac's basically been waiting for this time where she does become a woman so she can um, further this pure bloodline. Yeah. I mean, the other benefit of having a, you know, an older, an older actor... Uh, play this part is that they can actually you know without worries about whatever uh, go uh, full pelt with with the with the scene yeah rip her, rip her clothes off tire nudity is seen yeah exactly you know it's v- very and, full on yeah exactly and you feel that sense of like utter disquiet and disgust because I mean like a the the idea of uh sort of uh young young nudity is is obviously a very unsettling uh foreign idea anyway but the idea of it uh being at the hands of uh your own father it just it doubles down on that yeah this sense is of, uh, just a complete unsettlement I, I, a huge a huge like betrayal of trust um occurs and and to to Goth's, like, she acts the shit out of this. Mm. I, I think she does uh, the best out of everyone in this. I'd, ser- I'd certainly agree with you there. She she almost is really the heart of the movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, whereas uh, Han's character is kind of the, you know, uh, the man with no name. He kind of walks in and, and, and things happen around yeah. him. Well, he's, he's the audience surrogate. I mean, he just yeah. holds in and finds things out as we find them out. Whereas mm. the... The character who actually sort of really, I mean, yeah, he goes on a journey as well. You know, at the end, at the end of the movie, you know, they they literally run, they literally run into uh, his employers from New York, and they want him to come back, and he says, "No, I'm not going to." So, I mean, like he's he's made the choice to leave know, that leave, world leave, behind. Leave that world behind. But I think the far more interesting arc is uh, Mia discovering that there is a world at all. Hmm. 
and that you know a, a world that exists beyond what she's known for you know centuries and yeah. also a world that exists beyond the very cloistered and small uh idea of womanhood that she's been allowed to uh experience as well mm. so it's like a it's a beautiful sort of intertwining that she discovers herself as she discovers more of the world at the same time yeah and unfortunately so, she does see so much ugliness at the hands of of her former home as she begins to start rejecting it yeah and she she's she's growing up she's moving beyond um yeah you could just center this around uh you know, a kind of little mermaid-esque um, girl who wants to go beyond uh, where she's been allowed and, um, yeah, finds out, you know, she wants to be a part of the world. She wants to go where the people are, but unfortunately that means foregoing her own home. Mm. And oh, the consequences... Oh, not, not consequences. Wow, that's the... Um, the punishment that is done to her for for even thinking that by her by her parental figures yeah um because that's that's fucking full on and i can imagine that yeah. um you know once again the, the the two white men who who host this show uh see it as uh in one one way but um other listeners um who view this film uh there may be something much stronger um, that that um, that brings to the table for it, and it is it, it's full on for for us. It would be heinous to others. So, and it was yeah. it's very I mean, there's, interesting there's, there's that a, it came other, on. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things going on um, yeah. in just that, and it's yeah, the climax of the film. And that's the beautiful thing about the film, but also like one of the maybe like. The- things i found disappointing is that like its reach uh kind of exceeded its grasp that it it wanted to try and address these really interesting ideas about you know uh apart apart from anything else you know mental health you know what it means to live in a, a modern cosmopolitan world you know, surrounded by technology and uh, the dehumanizing aspects of that, you know, what are we losing by engaging with that world? And then, you know, these undercurrents of uh, abuse, familial or otherwise, the trauma that's involved in that. These are all like fascinating concepts. And I feel like the film, I think it wanted to just be a genre picture. And so it really only paid lip service to them. Hmm. Well, yeah, it also, in order to wrap things up, Verbinski did take it in the way of, a, of you know, a Pirates of the Caribbean sort of ending of, a, of, a, of the big boss, you know, the, 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 the hero, um, Tahan's character, um, you know, fighting the big boss, but, um, you know, Goth's character gets the final blow and there's that sort of perceived catharsis from yeah. that sort of big battle but, and it's through only violence exactly, that you can but actually... it's also just like yeah she had to murder her own dad though and i mean mm. <laughs> i mean and i mean yes he, he was doing unspeakable things to her but i mean still that's <laughs> that's not exactly a, a a simple uh issue yeah in the, to, yeah the past to, to, 30 to, minutes to, of her to, life 
have been mar- being forced to marry her father, being uh, essentially raped by her father, uh, full knowing that he is actually the father. Yeah. Now it's not just a um, he keeps me safe. No, it's a, this is my literal father, um, and then being betrayed in such a in such a large way, and then having to uh, having to then uh, kill him in order to protect another person. And then the film ends with Dahan's character smiling uh, almost menacingly with his yeah. with his fake teeth. And his teeth are now fine again. Yeah, well, because I believe they're fake teeth. Yeah. Because everyone That's, has pure teeth, because I, I think the, the 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 water or whatever it was the eels were actually dehydrating them. Yeah, and ruining so the they, teeth, so they, so they yeah, all they get really fake ones. Teeth, yeah, That's the thing. I mean, like I, I found that like very sinister, almost the ending. I mean, mm. like just out of you know curiosity, I sort of went and like tried to find like just some synopses of the the film whatever and like you know a couple of them just like say you know he chooses to run away with hannah and the film ends with him smiling and it's like on 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 paper it's like oh good he's smiling he's happy but you look at that something of the devil in that grin at the end of that oh. movie and it's just like it, it's almost just like is this like it's that kind of like the end question mark because mm. like, yeah is he like what's what's he gonna do with her What's this like? Near what is 30, she going to do? Yeah. What's this near thirty-year-old, you know, former stockbroker? Stockbroker, yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Doesn't matter, I guess. Corporate cor- cor- guy. Cor- corporate shark. He's just running away after everything that's happened with this uh, supernatural, centuries-old, thirteen-year-old. Who Girl. is kind of the remote? You know, they're kind of like romantically connected. I guess. I guess maybe like just purely on the sense that they're both kind of outsiders. Mm. You know, and it's like you know we're different, so like you know we're together. But it's just like what? What's the she? Because she the the her, her naivety is almost uh, absolute in terms of uh, experiencing anything outside of that small little Swiss town with those uh, <laughs> punk rockers <clears throat> but um so yeah I don't know I don't know that that the ending isn't exactly as triumphant uh, as I think it appears no and it's certainly <clears throat> I can't say that I am comfortable with uh, Dahan's like <laughs> happiness like him smiling is generally off-putting. Um, he's, mm. you know, since you know, back when I first saw him in Chronicle, like he's been an unsettling sort of character, yeah, actor. Like that's he's good at that. Um, so his yeah, so that that a a fake it is basically a fake smile that he is giving. Yeah. Um, well, so well, that's literal, literally, literally, literally and, and figuratively. Yeah. So it's a it's a whole hell of a thing. Mm. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Going back to what you said about like you know the uh, the mental health of stuff, but also like this, I guess kind of like in what they did in Shutter Island is the um, the acceptance of like losing your humanity um, in order to be stuck uh, to be I guess free 
from the yeah. the turmoil of the war of the world because they all in in some way they they give up their humanity their free will uh the patience that is um in order to be without stress in their life um but at, also at the cost of they, they're essentially dying they are pumped full of eels and then they are sweated in order to get this um this elixir and it's yeah it ruins them and it kills them um and and the that is a a better world for them than the than the uh stress and anxiety that is brought upon them from the corporate world yeah um and yeah that to them that's the better life in a, in a way um there's also yeah there's also a fair amount of cultish sort of stuff going on with yeah, apparently cool. all of the um all of the attendants there are in some way or the other um immortal yeah um because they're taking they each one of them take the 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 liquid from the bu- the blue vial the yeah. cure for wellness so they maybe he's like the baron's original attendants yeah so it's um and they all they all are very off i mean that's yeah the, there's nothing quite right about any of them Mm, it's kind of that it's a it's a dark disney sort of lens at there yeah well, it's like you know it is like the the, the disney the idyllic disney castle mm. filled with some really really fucked up people yeah so and, and we could read into that however we want uh from yeah. a uh, a disney director from a man that's uh, been put through the ringer at that mm. studio was the was the golden was the golden child and now he's uh basically been uh just quietly broomed into a corner yeah, yeah. but um yeah it's a it's a film that's stuck with us it certainly um, has and it's absolutely worth a watch i yeah i believe so um <laughs> It's. I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's I, I'll, full I'll, on. Yeah, and I'll always applaud a director for like trying to do something crazy and and different and weird than someone that just plays it safe and and dull and pedestrian. Yeah, absolutely. This is a yeah, this is an ambitious film. Like to be able to put this stuff on is is pretty pretty intense, you know. Um, and also to touch base on you know mental health and and a lot of these issues of you know sexual assault and all of that and you know he's also not really talking much about it he's more showing it and using it as a point of of unease mm. um i mean so yeah certainly... i mean you can you can take as much or as little from that as you want but i think that's the that's the beauty of it that there mm. is that flexibility yeah it doesn't, but... it doesn't it doesn't preach so much as just offer questions yeah, as opposed to someone like Emma Shyamalan, who who fetishizes uh, uh, mental illness or or physical disability. Um, you know, in, in Split, the most recent one, it was basically um, you know the 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 reason why the um, the protagonist um, stayed alive was because she self harmed, and Shyamalan basically saying, "Hey, you know that, that self harming." Uh, because your uncle uh, sexually assaulted you, um, you know, because you did that self harm, you got to survive from the the 
this monster of a of a man who has uh, multiple personality disorder. Uh, so that's a pretty fucked up thing to say, Shyamalan. Like that's that that's uh, heinous in in multiple ways. Um, and, you know, I mean, just I, recently. I, yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen the film, but uh, it's it's sort of uh, it's been very polarizing. Like fifty percent of people say they they love it, and fifty percent of people say that it's basically just a, a, a horrifying representation of uh, a very serious uh you know mental health issue that plagues a lot of people yeah mental health abuse in in many similar ways to to this film there are those parallels whereas um you know so split kind of shows it and fetishizes it and 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 does it um you know as a as as plot points as 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 kind of good things as as these superpowers um and you know, and Shyamalan did that as well in, you know, in Unbreakable. How the the disabled man is a is a villain. Um, you know, there's a lot of things back throughout time of 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 his work being very um, bad towards. Uh, well, it's very ableist. Um, whereas um, Cure for Wellness does yeah. show that stuff. Um, it it merely shows it, um, and that's not to say that some of it probably shouldn't be shown or or um but it's being shown and we're being able to talk about it it's um, shown without uh without as much judgment i think mm. yeah it's much uh negative judgment for it well not negative but negative connotations right yeah um whereas this is this is we're we're sitting down and we're able to talk about this and be like well fuck this is pretty fucked up um, this is some fucked up shit, and it is, and it's ambitious, and it's and it's full on that a, you know, this is this is a indie ish film. It's kind of in that midpoint. Well, it's a um, beautiful, beautiful midpoint. I mean, like, there's not very many, <clears throat> you know, films these days. You know, it's either like it, it, in this sort of like mid range. Hmm. Movie movies are either like ten million dollars. Or they're, you know, two hundred million dollars, and I think we're we're sort of seeing a little bit of a renaissance now, thanks in no small part, I think, to probably Deadpool among other uh, among other films, that you know you can actually make mid-budget films, you know, between forty and seventy million dollars, or whatever, and you can make them for adults, and adults will watch them. I mean, obviously, um, more obviously more, obviously more adults went and saw Deadpool than went and saw this one. But it's mm. just it's it's just heartening to see that. I mean, this is this is an original IP. This like, is a goddamn not, it's, risky it's, film. It's not based on anything. It's not based on a book. Yeah. It's not based on a fucking comic or video game or anything. It is a proper adult movie it's not pg-13 thriller shit it's like real people are cussing left right and center you know then this everything goddamn else that's happening in that movie which you know obviously we've discussed at length it this is a movie for adults and you just don't see that many films like that anymore no and it, you know and we're probably not gonna see too many 
you know, as, as many Deadpools that kind of uh, show off that you can make these films and them to be very successful. Um, you have films like Cure for Wellness, which are huge risks. And with that, like there are times where you're not going to hit it. Like the audience just won't be there. And maybe maybe it'll make up for it um, once it gets to um, you know, more digital distribution. And yeah, I, I guess mean, that's like, what we're know, calling it, it now. It, yeah. Yeah, well, it might come up to... on Netflix and then people will start watching it or, <clears throat> you know, rentals or things like that. I mean, like, this is the sort of movie that, like, people I think would, like, you know, turn on on the TV and actually sit down and, like, end up watching the whole thing. Mm. You know? <clears throat> so it's a bit... It's a bit old school now to kind of, like, you know, determine a movie's success purely by you know, how much money it brings in at the box office because that's a very, very uh, outdated way of measuring a film's success. Mm. And it really, you know. we do need to start looking at looking at it differently because, um, you know, we have to as, the, as, as critics of the film industry, but also the film industry itself needs to um, start looking at things a little more differently as well, hopefully, mm. so that we can have these stories... Um, that are um, outside of the norm, that are riskier, yeah. that are telling tales that are original um, and also, you know, much in the way of uh, Moonlight that aren't going to be seen um, by many audiences um, unless they are shown in, a, in, in this film medium. So if I... <laughs> Fingers good work for Binsky. Yeah, good work for Binsky for putting yourself out there. This is a pretty full-on film. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, good on, you know, good on, good on the, the the studios for actually letting him make this one. You know, yeah. I mean, this 20, is. 20, the... I mean, like, well, I mean, like, 20th Century Fox. Say no more. Yeah. You know. They've they've yeah. they've they've they're they're the ones like you know making the the play now for the adult market again mm. you know and we've had our had our sort of funny gross out adult film with deadpool we had our gritty you know serious uh adult film with logan and now we've got our just fucking crazy weird adult movie mm. in cure for wellness and um, i'm just psyched to see well i mean i'm Vavinsky's always been an interesting director, so A, I'm psyched to see whatever it is that he's going to do next, but just I, I kind of hope that maybe this little uh, love affair with uh, more with adult fare actually continues in Hollywood for a little while, because I think we deserve it. I'm, yes. I'm pretty much superheroed out, so... Yeah, let's start. Yeah, I would, you know, it's, you know, we started talking about you know, superhero films, and we've kind of gone away from it uh, purely because there's not much to talk about half the time. Well, I think um, everything that's been said has been said a hundred times. Yeah. You know, these are far more interesting <clears throat> films to talk about. You know, we do pick these films because there's something to talk about. Um, yeah, so if they keep getting made, we'll keep talking about them. There will hopefully be more and more of an audience for them. I mean, you know, they, they dumped this in February, which is basically the, the month where movies go to die. Mm. So, 
you know, I don't know whether... Maybe <laughs> they took they, a risk, but they didn't think much of it. Yeah, they took a risk and maybe they got cold feet halfway through or something. I think if they... I mean, like, there's, there is a market for these films. You look at all these shitty, shitty paranormal activity films and, you know, The Conjuring and The Conjuring... There's, there's a witch now and The Conjuring, now it's about kids. Like, it, you know, or It Follows or, you know, the remake of It... I mean, there is a market for these sorts of movies, but I think it's it's the, the onus is on the studios to actually follow through with you know the the commitment they made in the first place. Absolutely, I think that's about I does it. Re- I did, yeah, yeah. I, I think we've kind of set up pace for it, and but yeah, if you, um, I believe it is out of um, circular, you know, cinema circulation at the moment. But please do uh, get. Um, you know, get your hands on A Cure for Wellness when it comes out uh, on digital distribution. Um, while you're online, go to uh, fromthesilverscreen.com. There you'll find our entire uh, catalogue of episodes. Give it a listen to. Uh, we'd love to have uh, you tell a friend about the podcast. Um, your word of mouth helps get us uh, more listeners. Um, and that helps us helps us grow. Uh, to be able to do uh, more things in this. We love doing it and uh, we love that you guys uh, listen to it and and ingest it and, and hopefully get something out of it. Um, you know, we've got Facebook, uh, like us there, joining conversations. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's about it for this week. Um, well said, next mate, week, well said. Next week we'll do... Uh, Minisode, if you do have any questions about this film or, or any comments, please do uh, drop a line in the Facebook. I'll be answering and discussing uh, more of it um, with what you guys say. If not, we'll let you guys know what the uh, film is that we'll be talking about next week. So uh, so join us then for our Minisode. Until then. Shut down.